Hello, anyone and everyone. Welcome to episode number 48 of the Nomadic Flex podcast. Hope everyone is doing well and having an awesome week. It is Christmas week after all, so make sure you're holly and jolly. Don't be a Grinch. All righty, let's get to it. Today, we will be reading a little bit of a book um, that I have gone over already, but we're going to go back through because there is so much good information in this book. It is called Leadership Strategy and Tactics by a gentleman named Jocko Willink, and we're going to jump right into it. Here we go to the book. Insecurity as a Leader. If the imposter syndrome gets into a leader's head, it can grow very quickly into true insecurity, which is problematic. If it isn't controlled, it can begin a downward spiral for the leader and then the team. But the problem comes not from feeling insecure in your leadership ability, experience, and knowledge. That is just humility. The problem comes when you inevitably try to cover it up. You shift conversations, avoid questions, and utilize other means of centrifuge to mask your weakness. But you won't be fooling anyone. Everybody sees through you. When your team members see your weakness, they start attacking you. The more they attack, the more you cover up, the more obvious it becomes. This is not good. The way to overcome your insecurities is not by trying to hide them, but by being humble enough to admit what they are. Instead of trying to shield them, present them. Ask for some help. Explain your shortfalls and what you want to do to correct them. You do have to be careful not to go overboard. Being humble does not mean you should present yourself as incompetent. You should prepare and do enough research to understand your areas of weakness. If a new blind spot is uncovered, take notes and figure out the best way to reinforce the area where you are lacking. This is an important concept to understand. Humility and vulnerability can work together to make you better. If you are humble enough to admit when you have a vulnerability, you can then address it, reinforce it, and get it solved. This is contrary to the intuitive idea of hiding or masking your weaknesses. That does not work. The true way to overcome your insecurities is to admit them to yourself, air them to the team, and work to improve them. And this goes for far beyond leadership capabilities. It is true for all things in life. If you want to become a stronger, better person, a more adept person, someone with intuitive and insight and someone who people respect, then this has to be true as well. Do not let imposter syndrome become part of your personality. What you have to do is, well, like the book said, address your weaknesses and figure out how you can fix them. And I do this as, as a coach. When I started coaching uh, boot camp sessions, I would have another coach sit out and I would ask them to make me a pros and cons list. And for every pro, there had to be at least one con. And so at the end of the session, I could go back and I could look at what this coach said, what I did well. And most importantly, what I didn't do well, but we don't want to dismiss the, the pros as well, because you can, you can always reinforce strong areas and make them stronger, but it is equally as important, if not more important to reinforce and fix weak areas. 
And we're going to go uh, back to the book here. It, this is next section is going to talk about transitioning from a follower or peer to a leader. And this is not, again, just a leadership tactic. This is, again, all things in life, whether you are a coach or a mentor or a parent, this will ring true. Here we go to the book. There are times in many organizations when an individual must be elevated from a peer group into a leadership position. This can be a difficult transition. Obviously, there are no, I'm sorry, obviously there are close relationships among peers that would not normally develop in a leader to subordinate situation. I got to witness this type of transition in two of my SEAL platoons. In each case, one of the quote-unquote boys, one of the young enlisted SEAL troopers, was selected to step up and become leading petty officer. The way SEAL platoons were structured at the time, the LPO or leading petty officer was the fourth in command. There would be an officer in charge, an assistant officer in charge, a platoon chief, and finally, the leading petty officer. LPOs would usually have more experience than the rest of the SEALs in the platoon, but would not necessarily be senior to them in rank. Nonetheless, it was a position of authority, and the LPO was the individual who transferred much of the commander's intent from the officer in command and the central petty officer to the troops and actually made things happen. So this, this guy was, he came from just a regular ranking seal. Um, and now he is in a, a position of power and authority where he transmits information from the person above him down to the leading troops. <clears throat> Back to the book. Both of the times one of my peers was elevated to LPO in my SEAL platoons, the circumstances were similar. The platoons had just been formed up, and no leading petty officer had been assigned. Each time, we were wondering who our LPO would be. Often, LPOs would come from another team or a training command. The first time it happened, we junior enlisted SEALs were sitting in our platoon hut talking to the OIC, and the CPO came in. They called out one of the SEALs who was more experienced than the rest of us who was still of the same rank. And one of the boys, I'll call him Larry, the OIC and CPO asked Larry to go with them and the rest was told to stand by. So we stood and waited. What we didn't know was that Larry was taken to see the commanding officer and commanding master chief of the SEAL team where he had been told he was selected to serve as the LPO of our platoon. About a half hour went by, and then Larry returned with the OIC and CPO. Listen up, gents, the CPO said. Larry has been selected to be the LPO of this platoon. He will be running you guys from now on. Give him the support he deserves. Roger that, chief, we said. With that, Larry pulled out what we call a wheel book, a simple Navy-issued 4 by 6 notebook, and started looking at the checklist of all the things that needed to get done. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right here because I want to talk about the importance of a notebook. This might be a little sidetrack, but buy a notebook. Keep it with you. Keep a pen in the notebook. Keep it in your car. Keep it in your bag. Keep it at your desk. And whenever you want somebody to take you more seriously, bring a notebook and write some stuff down. I promise you. If you're somebody who forgets things or somebody who wants to be taken more seriously or somebody who wants to advance in any position, take a notebook with you. It will make you look far more interested and it will actually help you because you can write things down you might forget and you will already be ahead of the curve. Okay, that's enough of notebooks. 
back to the book. <clears throat> and this is Larry, uh, the guy who just got promoted to LPO. Um, he's going to now be talking to the troops. All right, fellas, as you heard from the chief, I'm the LPO now. It's an honor. Now, here's what we have to get done today. First, we have a full weapons and sensitive items inventory to do, including all radios, night vision, and crypto. Once that is done, we need all gear staged by 1,000 on the grinder so we can get pallets built for the next trip. Of course, that means hazardous material paperwork needs to get turned in so lithium batteries, fuel, and ordnance can be shipped. I want to get those pallets built by lunch so we can do some walkthroughs of our immediate action drills this afternoon. We will start those at 1,300. Once we hammer out some of those, I want to wrap up the day by 1,430 or 500. Or sorry, 1,500. So you think you can all get time at home before we leave? What do you guys think? Did I miss anything? Right there. You see, it, Larry just... Okay, back to the book. Larry had quickly, in about 30 minutes, stepped up into the LPO position and taken charge. He was respectful and appreciative, but at the same time, confident. He gave us clear guidance and direction. It was just what we needed. We got busy and got things done. Just as we would continue to get things done for Larry and the platoon, it worked well. Interestingly, in my very next platoon, about 18 months later, another one of my peers was elevated to the position of LPO. We had just formed up, and we were once again sitting around in our platoon space wondering who our LPO would be. It was odd to be in a platoon with no LPO signed, since the LPO is a critical part of the leadership team. But it had happened, and once again, one of the enlisted SEAL shooters was summoned by the OIC and the CPO. Once again, he was brought to meet with the commanding officer and commander masting chief and told that he would be taking over as LPO. And once again, this individual, whom I will call Brian, was brought down back and introduced to us as the new LPO. So now we have a different SEAL member that is getting brought up to be in charge, and let's see how he handles it. But this time, when he came back, it was different. Instead of pulling out a wheel book with a checklist telling us what we needed to be done, instead of giving us a schedule with some deadlines, instead of asking us what we thought, he just cracked a joke, saying, looks like I'm responsible for all the crap now. That was it. Though, that was the word he had put out. That was how he tried to take the reins as an LPO. It was completely ineffective. I'm going to read that again. It was completely ineffective. He didn't come prepared. He obviously was not ready to step up into that leadership position. And if you truly aren't ready to step into a leadership position, don't accept the offer to be in a leadership position because you will not only cause harm to the team. I'm sorry. You will not only cause harm to yourself and your reputation, but you may also cause harm to the team. Back to the book. It should be noted that Brian was a great guy and a great SEAL operator, but he wasn't quite ready to make the transition to leadership. So as a platoon, we floundered for a few months until he got his leadership bearings and started to run things properly. But that isn't necessary. There is no reason to flounder. Ooh, put that on a shirt. There is no reason to flounder. I like that. When you transition from within a group to becoming a leader of that group, you have to step up. This doesn't mean you have to know everything. This doesn't mean you need to lay down the law, but it does mean you have to differentiate who you were as one of the troops from who you are now as a leader. And Jocko gives us four simple steps in order to do that. Come up with a plan. Give simple, clear, concise direction. 
stay humble, take input and listen, and of course, lead. And I'm going to say this again because it's so true. This goes for way more than an LPO and a SEAL team. This goes for sports coaches, again, mentors. If you're in sales and you need a team win, all right, your leadership of sales, you know, you work at a car dealership or retail, anything like that, and you need to rally the troops, this is how you do it. You come in with a plan. You give simple, clear, concise direction. You stay humble, take input and listen. And of course, you lead and you lead from the front. There is one final point to mention. Once you move into a leadership position, you have to step not only up, but also out of the weeds. You will have to stop doing some of the old things that you are used to doing, things you are comfortable doing, and start doing things you are not so comfortable with. As a leader, your goal should be look, should be to look up and out, not down and in. So when transitioning to a leadership position, the goal is not only to guide the development of the plan, but then also to oversee its execution. This means the leader should not be doing much of the actual doing. Let the troops do the doing. If the leader isn't doing, he or she isn't leading. I'm sorry, if the, if the leader isn't doing, he or she isn't leading. There we go. The leader who is doing is looking down and in at the team instead of up and out at the future. So let the troops do. Of course, there is a dichotomy to balance. This does not mean the leader is above hard work. The leader must not become detached to a point where they are aloof from what is happening and what the frontline troops have to contend with. Don't be the leader with your hands in your pockets, but don't be the leader with your hands in everything. And I'm sure many of you guys listening and, and myself included have experienced all sorts of leaderships in different capacities. I've definitely had hands-off leaders. I've had hands-off bosses who say, okay, here's a vest, here's some keys, get to work, uh, good luck pretty much, and kind of you know, set you out to swim with the sharks. And I've also had management and leadership that is watching your every move. And the, the second, the millisecond you make a mistake, they are there to correct it. And that could be equally as frustrating, if not more detrimental to your performance. Because if you're on your own, you can, you can learn and figure out how to do things your own way. But if you're getting micromanaged every second of the day, it's going to ruin your, your willingness to want to succeed and want to work because you're not going to know how to do everything. That, that boss or that manager that's micromanaging is going to immediately fix everything for you and you won't learn to learn. Okay, last little section of this book, and this has a little less to do with leadership. It still has to do with leadership, but a little less. Um, and this is going to talk about overcoming a grudge. I'm sure you all have also experienced this as well, whether it's a friend or relationship or a coworker or anything like that. To the book, there will be times in your career when you will be the one promoted into a leadership position and placed above your former peers. This can be challenging, but when handled correctly, the challenge can be mitigated. Most of your former peers will accept the situation and get on board, but sometimes there are people who get better, bitter, and resentful when they aren't promoted, and they show that bitterness. There are some ways to mitigate a bad attitude from your former peers. First off, don't try to force your rank down their throats. Tell them you appreciate their experience, and you will be looking to help them lead the team. 
Then let them come up with the plans and ideas. Ask for an input. Ask for and listen to their input. If they come up with a solid plan, let them run with it. Hear that? If you got somebody who's below you and they have a good plan, let them go with that plan. Let them do it. When the opportunity arises, put them in charge of some tasks, projects, and missions. This shows them that you trust them and truly appreciate their experience and knowledge. And if they can put their egos in check, the situation can be overcome. Here's the dichotomy. But also be advised that some people will be hypersensitive and see you putting them in charge as something as condescending or as proof that you don't know what you're doing and that they should have been promoted, not you. When their pouting and bad attitude become apparent, recognize that the likely reason they were not promoted, assuming they do not have most knowledge and experience, is because they likely lack the humility and maturity to be a leader. If that is the case, continue to be cordial, treat them with respect, and try to build a relationship with them. But don't expect rapid improvement from them. This will be a long process. You are going to have to be patient and make sure you don't let them distract you from the mission or the rest of the team. And we could go down a whole nother road about, you know, focusing on one person on your team and, you know, putting way too many resources into that one person when they're not going to return the benefits. And, in you know, what's going to happen is the rest of your team will see that you're favoriting this person and they're really not doing good and they don't understand why you keep favoring this person and giving them resources when they are not providing any value back to you because you should provide value to your strengths and you should try to minimize your weaknesses. So if there's, you know, something like that where it, it becomes a big, big problem and they have to get written up or, you know, they're disorderly or they're incompetent, then that person's got to go. That person's got to go if they're giving you a hard time and they're just they just are holding a grudge against you for becoming, you know, promoted above them. And this goes, you know, if you're a parent, you need to lead your kids. You need to lead them. Don't you can let outside influences, you know, kind of tell them some new things every once in a while, but don't let those outside influence be their only leadership and guidance. Make sure that your children feel comfortable coming to you with anything and make sure that they can ask you questions and make sure that the guidance that you give them is guidance that they can use. And I think that's about all we've got for today. Again, this book is absolutely phenomenal. It does not matter if you're a leader or if you want to be a leader. If you are interested in improving your performance and your self-worth and your ability to analyze how you do in life pretty much, how to, how, you know, how to optimize yourself, how to maximize your strengths and minimize your weaknesses, Leadership Strategy and Tactics by Jocko Willink is the book for you. All right, pick it up anywhere they sell books. And quick little tidbit, you guys, we are at over 12,000 plays. So thank you to anyone and everyone who has listened. And if you if you got value from this podcast or if you learned something or if you think you know somebody who would benefit from listening to this podcast, please let them know. Please share it with them. And uh, once again, thank you so much for listening. This is the Nomadic Flex podcast. My name is Isaiah. You can find me on social media, on Instagram, at Nomadic Flex. That's N-O-M-A-D-I-C-F-L-E-X.
and we will see you next week. Until next time, out.